Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Break the Cycle. Me, your host, Joshua Smith. Hope everyone is having a wonderful Wednesday evening. We have made it to the hump day. We're almost to the weekend. God, uh, it, it is my weekend, so I can't, I can't. I was going to be like, oh, it's a long week, but... Um, you know, we were on the road for, for 13 days, uh, and got home at two 30 in the morning. I went to work at five 30 on Monday morning, uh, after sleeping for just about two or three hours. And, uh, I worked two days and now I'm off two days. So I can't complain too much. Uh, I am, I'm having a good day. I hope everyone is having a good day. Uh, we had an awesome show last night and I told you guys we we're going to be doing regular shows again. So here I am doing two nights in a row. I hope everybody appreciates that and understands that I'm coming back. I promise you, uh, we do have a great show for you tonight, but of course, let's start off with some sponsors. We have TopLobster.com, the man, the myth, the legend, my good friend and partner on Break the Cycle, where you can get all kinds of wonderful printed graphic hats, tees, shirts, backpacks, hoodies, all that great stuff. I am not wearing uh, Top Lobster tonight. I am wearing a hoodie that uh, actually means something this show, and you guys will find that out soon. Uh, but go to TopLobster.com, use BTC at checkout for a 10% discount, or you guys, sign up for my Patreon, my subscribe star, become a member of the YouTube channel under all of my videos by hitting the join link, where you can get into a private Discord server and get all of Top Lobster's new gear up to two weeks before it goes to the general public at like a 30% discount. So really, really good stuff. Uh, if you're doing like five to ten month dollars a month and, and Top Lops is putting out a lot of stuff, you're actually saving money uh, by supporting the show. So good stuff. And of course, executive producers of the show, anthemplanning.com. For all your emergency and crisis planning needs, check them out today. See what they can do for your business, home, or personal life. They're doing a wonderful job that the government has historically sucked at. Much better and much cheaper. Uh, seriously, go check them out if you own a business, guys. They're going to help you out. You're going to help you plan things that are going to save you money, and it's going to mean a lot to you. I'm sure they're great people. Also, uh, I was supposed to have a new sponsor on tonight, but they will be on on Friday with the show with Angela McArdle, the new chair of the LNC. Um, unless you're listening to this online, then you're definitely hearing the ad in this uh, podcast in the audio form, but I'll have a video up for them soon. Uh, guys, we've got a great show for you tonight. I'm very excited. Uh, I recently went to the uh, Minnesota State Convention on my tour around the country uh, to, to become the next vice chair of the Libertarian Party, which I did uh, not last week, this past weekend, but the weekend before. Um, and I met a wonderful man that I had been talking to online sometimes uh, who is running for U.S. Congress out of Minnesota. He's an adopted father. He's a farmer. He is Mr. Bull. Johnson, sir, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing outstanding, man. Yourself, you uh, you recovering yet? Ah, uh, yeah, man, we're good. You know, I we talked a lot about it on the show last night. I I had uh, I I had I may have had COVID. I may not have. You know what I mean? But I'm 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 just trying to get over being tired from being in a car with five kids on for five thousand miles. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, I can understand. I mean, I can only imagine because I covered about thirty five hundred miles in about ten days. Just trying to get our petitioning done for the the election, and that was by myself. I couldn't imagine with five kids. It's pretty wild, man. It's pretty wild. And, and I, I did put on the hoodie while you were uh, off screen there. The raise cattle, not taxes, uh, hoodie. I'm I'm a fan. This is probably one of the coolest campaign hoodies I've ever seen, man. I love it to death. Oh, wait till you see our new ones. You got some new ones coming out. Well, that's that's exciting, man. I'm excited for that. But hey, brother. So so I know you're a libertarian. I know you're running to try and get the libertarian to to be the libertarian for Congress. Unfortunately, <clears throat> due to the corrupt policies of every state, you have to do all kinds of extra things, jump through all kinds of extra hoops to get on the ballot. Uh, that didn't happen. And uh, now you're running on a different line. But before we get into your con your congressional run and all that great stuff, you are a libertarian. Uh, you yep. you exude libertarian principles. You you live your philosophy as do I, adopting children stuff like that. Um, but tell me, how did you come to these ideas of liberty, brother? 
Well, this was back probably in uh, 2016 when, uh, of course, we had two options right for president in between Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump. I couldn't do either one of those two in good conscience. Uh, so I started looking around. I started looking at other at other parties, trying to try to find a home because I didn't feel like I had one. And when I came across the Libertarian Party, it checked all the blocks. I mean, it was everything I believed in. It was everything I felt. Uh, so that election in 2016 is is pretty much pretty much what brought me over to the uh, the party. It was one of these things where I've probably always been a Libertarian. I just didn't know it. Sure. Uh, it's the same thing we run across now during our campaigning. I mean, I talk to all these people. I tell them about being a libertarian and what it means. And they're like, damn, that sounds like me. Right. And that's, and that's the, that's the case a lot, you know, and, and, and occasionally someone will, will think that and then get around the libertarians and, and either think like, these aren't my people or there's things they don't agree with. And, you know, one of those big issues was the abortion issue, of course. And, um, and we were able to get that out of the platform at the last convention. So we now have no platform on abortion and that's kind of cool and helpful for recruiting for sure. Because, you know, there are, there are pro-life libertarians and there, there are, um, uh, pro-choice libertarians and I get that, but you know, driving a wedge between them for no good reason uh when we don't even have anybody in a, a position to affect that policy was right. kind of stupid man you know what yep. i mean um so so tell me you know so so you, you got the 2016 election uh which is also what brought me back to the libertarian party if you can believe that i had joined in 2010 um and try after after working on ron paul's campaign in 20 in 2008 um and uh and i tried really hard to find like a, a an outlet for my activism in the party and they just were like stonewalled me so i left <laughs> um and i just kind of did my own activism and i came back in 20 in 2016 for the same reason i was looking at the clown show going there's no way i can be a part of this but i feel like i need to get involved and try and change something Thing, and that's where I found the Libertarian Party. Um, but 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 prior to the Libertarian Party, were you a Republican? I was a Republican. Yeah, sure. Uh, my first uh, first person I ever voted for back in in '88 was a Democrat. He was a Blue Dog Democrat by the name of Billy Tozan. Okay. And, and in Louisiana, I mean, Democrats are different in Louisiana, where I'm from, than anywhere else. You have to be pro-gun. You have to be pro-life. Period. Full stop. Uh, if you're not one of those, then you're just not getting elected, no matter what party you are. Uh, so I started off as a, as a blue dog and uh, Democrat, and then kind of came over in the Reagan years to to the, be a, more of a Republican. And uh, probably, I mean, I was initially a, a flat out, just a lot like Spike. I was a neocon. Sure. I mean, I was uh, I I was drinking all the Kool Aid and uh, did that through most of my military years. It wasn't until uh, Till later that I kind of started going, wait, wait a minute, why, why are we spending all this money and all this time on wars that really don't have anything to do with us? Right. Well, and that was, that was a big part of my transformation, especially being in the military and being part of Operation Iraqi Freedom. And, and, uh, you know, I was on the, the carrier that dropped a hundred million tons of ordnance on Baghdad during the shock and awe campaign. And that was, I was watching that as an 18 year old going, Mm -hmm. Oh shit, dude! This is not cool, man. 
<laughs> you know, like that was a, that was a thought in my head. I was, you know, I didn't want to be there. You know, at, yeah. As soon as I got there, I was like, oh, I don't want to be here. This sucks. But then, but then at the same time, I, you know, I had a different thought process than some of my shipmates in the Navy, and and uh, and and it was, you know, there's people that live there, man. There's kids and and dogs and family pets and dreams and hopes and goals and people get up and go to work every day and, uh, you know, and and I was like, man, what if that happened to where I live? That would suck. And so when I got back, I was super jaded on the on the military industrial complex. And that's, you know, it, it pushed me towards Ron Paul in 2007. And uh, that's how I got involved with libertarian philosophy was I found Ron Paul. I like to say uh, Ron Paul. What was What is that? What is that? The quote that I say, Ron Paul. Um, Ron Paul woke me up. Uh, Murray Rothbard radicalized me and Nick Sarwark pissed me off enough to get involved. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. what I mean. Yeah. And that's one of the frustrating things here in Minnesota. I mean, Ron Paul took this this state in 2012. Right. Uh, 13 delegates to the Republican National Convention, 12 of them were Ron Paul delegates. Right. And we look around now, and there is not one representative in Minnesota that's liberty-based as far as U.S. Congress is concerned. Right. They're all the establishment, corporate, Republican Party. And there's all kind of grassroots activists here. I mean, when I go out here on the campaign trail and I ask people, what party are you? The number one answer I get is not Republican, it's not Democrat, it's I'm a Ron Paul Republican. Right. They need to specify that, that, hey, you know what? And I, and I almost want to come back and go, oh, so libertarian. Right. Well, and that's, <laughs> and that's where we're at now, right? The, this new this new face of the libertarian party is the Ron Paul revolution. We've now, yep. we've now taken over the entire libertarian party, and we've given a home to those people. So they don't have to call themselves Ron Paul Republicans anymore. Right. They can call themselves Ron Paul libertarians because Ron Paul is a libertarian. Yep. He just didn't want to be associated with the old libertarian party and it ain't this ain't your mama's libertarian party anymore buddy we we right. have we have changed it to to be way less embarrassing um way more focused on the issues and and uh and the the policies that that brought us all to libertarianism you know the the federal reserve the war thing um you know school choice i mean these are these are like really important issues dude the drug the war on drugs um you know these are the issues that brought us to libertarianism and now you have a home for those places those those policies well, and, so. and i'm telling you i mean it was when i was originally going through this whole process i mean i wanted to run as a libertarian i mean very badly but right. then the the baggage i mean i didn't want to to be running a competitive race for congress and i mean once they're competitive i mean to win and and they give the republicans and the democrats so much ammunition of putting a picture put, putting a commercial with vermin with his boot on his head the the guy who stripped in front of the national convention James a few years ago James and go, hey is this the party you want representing you? I don't have the money to fight that with TV ads. Right. right. I mean, it was, so it was very much a, a decision of, hey, what's my liabilities here and how do I overcome them or can I overcome them? And and when I couldn't, then I said, like, you know what? I'm going to need to go in there and try to run, say, as an independent and, and serve Congress as a libertarian. Right. Show them this is what libertarianism is. Not this stuff that y'all are y'all are scared of right. but to do that we need to be in the position to demonstrate what it is uh justin amash did a great job but i mean he only did it for a little while and got out got out right he should have stayed man he should have at least tried to yeah. run for re-election to see what happens yeah well exactly he should have i mean that's what i would 
because again, he had a track record to go off of. Right. Uh, yeah, all those but, jerks, all the, and, and somebody just, uh, uh, H Raritan in the, in the chat just said that all those people that you just talked about have left the party. The, yeah, the pretty much. I mean, I they're mean, gone. Just, like, uh, in fact, I looked up, I, lo- I went to the Michigan state convention this year. Um, and that's where James Weeks is from. He's the, the libertarian communist that stripped on stage at the national convention in 2016. <laughs> and he, he didn't even show up to a state convention. I mean, this guy was like a big part of the Michigan yeah. party and he didn't even show up to his state convention, dude. That, and that says a lot, you know what I mean? Yeah. And we took all the delegate slots and, and we got some people on the board there. And in fact, our, the new region, uh, rep alternate for that, for that region is from regions is from, uh, Michigan and he's a Mises guy. So that's pretty cool, man. It's really, it's really nice to see all these people, um, all these people doing doing good things and bringing up making it the party that we've always wanted it to be. Yeah, because our, our message was was getting lost. Right. I mean, when you have all these, and, and I understand why they do it and, and so forth, but I mean, when you become the story instead of the the principal being the story, that's when we have issues. Sure. <clears throat> so let's talk about this ballot access thing. So so you're running mm-hmm. for Congress in Minnesota. Uh, what? What happened with the ballot access? Okay, so for ballot access for Minnesota, if you're going to run as a minor party, which a libertarian party is, or an independent, you need you need you have two weeks basically to get a thousand signatures, uh, and it's a very specific two weeks over Memorial Day weekend. And if you're like in an ag area like me, it's in the middle of planting season, right? Uh, so it makes it very difficult. I mean, it's it's not impossible. Uh, and to be honest with you, I mean, the reason we did not make that thousand signatures is more beca- more on my fault than anything else. Uh, I didn't properly put my team in place to win. I spent too much time uh, doing admin stuff or managerial stuff instead of knocking on doors. Uh, I t- waited too long to, to have a campaign manager who could coordinate all this. Uh, and, and so at the end, I just... I just didn't put my team in the right place to win. I mean, we missed it by about a hundred. Um, but when you miss it by a hundred, honestly, you miss it by 300. Right. Um, because I mean, we've already seen from other candidates who have put in 20% or, on average have been being eliminated. Right. So yeah. That's, a, that's another thing. 12, well, that's, 12, a, that's another thing that a lot of people watching this kind of stuff don't understand. Like, okay, look, say you have to get 500 signatures, right? Like I have to, I, I have to get a very small amount of signatures to run for state rep for my state rep campaign, uh, like 55 signatures, no big deal, super easy, but I'll get 300 because they're always going to throw some of those signatures off. Uh, yep. Someone's always going to try and challenge your, your signatures. Um, and, and that's, that's just the truth of the matter is because especially when you're a third party or, or a minor mm-hmm. party or independent, the Republicans and Democrats hate you mostly, yep. most of the time, unless, you know, unless like my state, we have some pretty good Republicans that I've worked with at the state house. They're good people. Um, they had to run as Republicans cause it was the only way they could win in, in Iowa at the time, but they're very libertarian. They have like Liberty leanings. They fought for med- healthcare freedom. Um, and so, um, you know, they, the Republicans likely won't challenge me, but I bet the Democrats do. And that's the only uh, that's the only person I'm running against in my district is a Democrat. Right. And I guarantee you the Democrats are going to challenge my signatures. And that's just how it works for us. And people don't understand the constant challenges for a libertarian to get on the ballot. And, and for our for us in our situation is the, uh, the person on the incumbent. Is a uh, Republican establishment now in this district. They've had this almost like a civil war between the grassroots activist Republicans 
and the establishment. Uh, we have numerous Republicans who are running for state senator who actually had my my petitions at their campaign events trying to hate, help me make the ballot to run against the establishment Republican in this district. Uh, that's a lot of the support I have. I mean, and that's why I tell people when they're like, hey, we've got a chance here. I mean, the Ron Paul Republicans, and I think they are the majority in this district, are falling behind and supporting me over the establishment Republicans. Right. And so so we talked a little bit about this offline. So you can't run as a libertarian on the ballot, but you had uh, another opportunity. What was that opportunity? Well, what happened is uh, once we didn't get our signatures, uh, in Minnesota, we have four major parties, the Republicans, the Democrats, the Legal Marijuana Now Party, <laughs> and the Grassroots Cannabis Party. Right. Yes, two major parties for cannabis in Minnesota. Uh, the Legalized Marijuana Party did not have anybody running for Congress in my district. So they basically offered me their slot. That's why. Uh, under, the, under, under the understanding of, hey, you know what? I was still kind of be pretty much running as an independent, but because my marijuana plank fit their overall mission, they were okay with that. Right. Uh, they're actually, as we're getting more and more legalizing marijuana, trying to kind of position themselves to be the party that third parties can run under without having to go through the petition BS. Uh, the flip side on that is uh, in Minnesota, in this district last election, the marijuana party stood between six and seven percent. Wow. So that's your floor. And this is what this is what no campaigning. Right. It's a one of the guy wasn't even in the district. He was actually. It, it's assumed he was paid by the Republicans to put his name on there to split the Democratic vote. Right. And he still took six or seven percent. Wow. Uh, so unfortunately, that, that's a higher floor than we typically get running as, as libertarians. Well, especially for a federal election, right? I mean, the federal, yeah. the federal election is really hard. And, that, you know, that's kind of my other my other big question for you is why Congress? Well, for me, it was one of those weird situations that when I sat down and I looked at my options, Congress was actually my best option. It had it was actually the office that I had the best chance of winning. I mentioned earlier, I'm from Louisiana originally. I'm not a local. Right. When you are not a local, it is very hard to win the state house, the, the Senate, state Senate, because you're running against locals. They're, they're small communities. Everybody knows each other. Uh, so it's really an uphill battle. I learned that the first time I decided to run, I decided to try to run for a county commissioner. And I was running against a local boy who had been there for 20 years. Uh, we still managed to get 30 to 40%, which most people are like, wow, you did that against the local? You're not from here? Right. Uh, That's great. But when I started looking at our Congress race, our uh, current congressperson won the, uh, the Republican nomination under questionable circumstances last year. Uh, she's not somebody who was supported on the local level. She was basically somebody who was Washington, D.C., and Minneapolis, St. Paul said, this is going to be your candidate. This is who we're throwing our money behind. This is who's running. And, and that really offended a lot of the locals, a lot of the grassroots activists who said, wait a minute. We've been building this party here for 20 years. And now you're going to come back and tell us who's going to run? Uh, 
So she doesn't have a real high approval rating from the grassroots, from the from the the Republicans. Sure. Uh, and, and now you start looking at her voting record. Uh, Western Minnesota is rural. I mean, this is farm country. Uh, like like most rural America, they really care about their vets. Uh, they're really pro-military and so forth. Well, on her voting record, she voted against three different bills to help veterans. Do you hate modern wrestling? Wish you could go back to the sex and violence of the 90s? You're not alone. Eric and Tom are going back to 1993 to watch ECW from the beginning to its end. So come get extreme. Just search for Extreme Timeline on any podcast app and come get extreme. Uh, she voted against cannabis even being used on a federal level for an experiment to see how it, it works with PTSD. Uh, this, this past week when they had a, uh, a judicial committee on, on gun control uh, committee uh, meeting. She's on that committee meet, committee. She didn't even show up. Wow. And she didn't even show up to fight for the Second Amendment. This is stuff that I mean, and they're starting to go, wait a minute, this doesn't represent us. She's she's worthless. She's the the, the term I keep on hearing, and as a as a pig farmer I understand, uh, she's worthless as tits on a boar hog. <laughs> uh, when I was petitioning. All I had to do was say who I was running against, and they were signing the petition. Wow. I didn't have to say what party I was. I mean, probably 80, 85% of the time, I would go up to a table in a bar and go, hey, I'm running for Congress against Michelle Fishbach. I'm trying to get on the ballot. Somebody's hand would shoot up and say, I'll start signing. Wow. I mean, that's... And this is in Republican area, okay? This is... Yeah, what's the what's the uh, your as far as your congressional district? I mean, what's the what's the population? Uh, it's roughly seven hundred thousand people. Oh, that is I mean, quite all a bit. Congressional of districts are right around that. Forty-two thousand square miles, thirty-eight counties. Uh, to me, to go to my southernmost county is roughly five and a half to six hours. Wow, dude! One way. That's a big district. Well, and and it kind of hurt me when I was doing my signatures because that's one of those things where. I wanted to show I had support for everywhere, so I spent way too much driving instead of knocking on doors. Right, right. That's one of those things that you go back and say, you know what? That's where I failed. Is I probably I, again two weeks, thirty five hundred miles. How long does it take to cover that much distance? It's a lot. That's time that I could have been spent knocking on doors. Right. You don't think I would have got another hundred to three hundred signatures if all that time was knocking on doors? Easily. I mean, so again, that's Easily. one of those things where. We learn. Sure. We make our mistakes. Uh, we take ownership of our mistakes, and we go forward. I mean, uh, is it going to be harder now? Yes, uh, definitely. Because I mean, I'm going to have to convince people when I'm showing up as legalized marijuana now that I'm not a one-trick pony. Right. That because for so long that was the protest people. That was the people who, who were running just to show, give you another option besides the other two, but they never really campaign they never really tried to win they were just there we're to trying to win yeah. so it's gonna it's gonna be a little bit different for us and for them to say hey this guy's got more than just being one of legalized and decriminalized marijuana yes that's one of his top three 
but so is doing something about the budget. Right. So we can care of our veterans. Uh, so that's going to be something we're going to have to overcome, and, and that's hard to do without money. Right. No, and I get that. It's, you know, and, and that's kind of, I, I talk a lot about running against the Republicans and Democrats. They're kind of like, they're these financial joggernauts, right? And we just, we, it's like, I don't know why libertarians are so have in the past historically or other parties as well that aren't the libertarian party have been so uh, slow to try and throw any money at, at getting these spots. Because, you know, if you, if you support these parties, if you support these principles and these causes, um, you know, putting a little money towards it is what is going to help you get those ends. Right. Um, and, and it, it really, I'm telling you votes come down to money, bro. It always, that's how it works. It's very hard. It's very, it's hard to sell people that way. You know, like, Hey, if you want me to win, you got to give me money. I mean, that's how it works, but that's the truth. Right. Because votes cost money. Like if you want, you want door knocking, you want materials, you want to go to events, you want to set up booths that should all cost a lot of money. And you want to pay for gas mileage. Right. And and it's all, it all costs money. And so, um, you know, and, and I, when I, I donate to campaigns all the time, I've been monthly donors, donors campaigns, because I know personally, uh, from working with the libertarian party that more money candidate has the better, uh, better odds are going to win. And, uh, and I want those ends. Like I want more libertarians elected to the state legislature here because at the end of the day, it's going to make my life better. It's going to enrich my life. And I know that, but we do have to get into some of these local offices too, to show that our policies can enrich the lives of, of our communities. And, and so that, I think that's why it's it's so good that we have some, uh, you know, elected intra-party people in the libertarian party now that have a bigger focus on local and state races. Um, well, and what people need to understand 2024 Let's say Dave Smith runs for president or uh, his chances are so much better if we've got somebody in Congress. Right. He's going to be taken that much more seriously if we've got somebody in Congress who's they can say, you know what? No, they do have some representation up there. Uh, one of the great things about this district, President Trump took this district with 65 to 70 percent of the vote last election. The Republicans aren't going to spend any more money here. No, they don't. Have, they don't think they, they have, to. have to. Yeah, the Democrats are not going to spend any money here because they're going to be trying to flip purple areas. Right. So it's going to be. I mean, it's not going to be like last election where we had a Democrat here. He was here for twenty years. He was a blue dog. Uh, between the two candidates, they spent thirteen million dollars for him to get upset. Jeez. But of course, once he lost, the Democrats knew. We're done. We're right. not going to get that district back. Right. Uh, and, and so, I mean, that's great. The fact that they're not going to be flooding this district with, with money. We've got two districts currently held by Republicans in Minnesota that are going to be jump districts that are going to be purple. That's where all this money is going to be being poured into. Uh, Republicans are going to look at this district and say, hey, if you can't beat a libertarian running under the marijuana party, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Sure. We're not going to throw any money there. Uh, and that's what I'm counting on. Sure. I mean, that's uh so, well, so tell, tell me about your platform, man. What, what are, what are the, uh, the, the things you want to attack in Congress? Well, I mean, one of the big issues here is everybody's concerned about, of course, inflation, printing of money and the debt. So spending is, is one of the big things we're, we're attacking. Of course, when we get rid of spending, what else are we getting rid of? Government. Right. That's what it's all being spent on. Uh, 
but we get to attack and, and trick the government from that avenue. Uh, we're, we're talking about ending the drug war. I mean, the, the amount of money we spend on the drug war, not only fighting it, but with people who are incarcerated by, by the lost portions of our economy because these guys are in, in jail instead of earning money, instead of paying taxes. Uh, even though I hate to say paying taxes, I mean, it, it's part of it. So we want to end that drug war. We want to legalize and decriminalize marijuana. And of course, one of my, my biggest issue is veterans. I mean, I'm a 20-year Army vet. We've been losing 22 of my brothers and sisters a day for the last 20 to 25 years. Nothing has changed. But you look at every freaking candidate for Congress. Every damn one of them says how much they love the veterans and they're going to help the veterans. But they ain't got, done a goddamn thing to do it. They ain't changed anything. They've been doing the same shit for 20 years, expecting a different result. Right. Uh, well, and the, be and the best thing you can do for veterans is to stop the fucking wars, right? Yeah, stop making <laughs> the best thing for com to help combat veterans, stop freaking making them. Right. Uh, I mean, it's like my shirt I'm wearing tonight, dysfunctional veterans. Oh, yeah. Oh, wrong side. Here we go. <laughs> dysfunctional veterans. I mean, it's just we've got to we've got to change that. I mean, and that's a big issue in this area. This area is so strong military supporting wise. Almost everybody either knows one of the 22 or knows somebody who knew one of the 22. Uh, so it's something that strikes close to home for us. I mean, which is why I can't believe that Fishbach is voted against every veteran bill that's come across her. I mean, and, and I asked her campaign staff why. And they painted it as well. That was just a Democratic trick and you fell for it. Well, yeah, somebody fell for it, but it wasn't me there, Homer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, y'all fell for it because y'all refused to support it because it was initiated by the Democrats. That's my whole point here is both platforms have stuff that, that work, that can go forward, but they're so busy about trying to throw away a wrench into the other side's prospect for success, we get screwed. I mean, it, it just... It makes it impossible to, to move everything forward that can, that can be moved forward. And uh, people are tired of it. People are tired about not being represented. Right. I mean, one of the stories I tell people all the time is like, you know what? The two parties, this is how they see your Congress office. That's a tip mark for whoever gets to be Speaker of the House. That's all. Right. That's all they see it. I mean, uh, a friend of mine, Mark Lindquist. Mark was a Democrat uh, running against me originally. Uh, and when the Democrats came, sat down and talked to Mark, they're like, hey, we're going to support you. We're going to help you. We're going to try to get you elected. But if you're elected, we expect you to spend four hours a day fundraising for the Democratic Party, National Convention, or National Party. And Mark's like, I can't do that. How am I supposed to represent my people, my constituents, if I'm spending four hours a day on the freaking phone raising money for you. Right. And they basically said, take it or leave it. That's the deal. Jeez. Uh, and, and Mark said, you know what? No, I can't do it. So Mark uh, ended up, he was going to run as an independent. Uh, and then a couple months, a couple months ago, I mean, and me, me and Mark were friends. I mean, when, uh, when he first started running, he started advertising himself as the veteran run for Congress. Right. And I had to call him and say, Hey dude, time out. <laughs> There's another one of us. Oh man, sorry. I didn't realize, I didn't realize it. And and it was kind of like, hey, how are we going to do this? Are we going to be friendly? Are we going to be assholes about this? Right. And it was kind of like, you know what? We're going to give each other shit about our, our, our branches, but we're cool. We're veterans. 
And uh, a couple months ago, he gave me a call and said, dude, I got good news and bad news. Okay, hit me with it. Let's hit me with the bad news. Well, the bad news is I've decided to go to Ukraine as a volunteer to help provide logistical support for the, the cause there to help the uh, refugees and so forth. The, the good news is your life, your world, your path just got a lot easier. Because <laughs> uh, not only are you not running running against me, but I am throwing all my weight behind you. Wow. Uh, because you know what? You're a good person. I mean, we agree on a lot of things. A couple of things we don't. But I know you're going to listen. Right. And uh, that to me, that's all. You're, you're, you'll listen. Your fellow vet, he had had some mental health issues a while back that I was there for him for. He said, you were there when I needed it. And uh, you're the man for the job. Nice man, and that's, uh, that's great. So he threw his his weight, his his volunteers, everything. He told them, "Hey, this is who you need to vote for. This is who's going to represent Western Minnesota." And, and those are kind of the the uh, the teams we're building. Those are the uh, coalitions that we're building. That's going to give us that chance. We're building the coalitions with the legalized marijuana now party. We're building the coalitions with the Ron Paul Republicans. We're, we're building the coalition with independent Democrats like Mark. Uh, and people don't, don't really appreciate what that's going to mean come election time. Uh, I mean, the biggest thing is we have to convince people, one, that we are an option, that we are a legitimate no-shit option. And, uh, and, and that's one of the things we're pushing. I mean, we're going to – next week I'm, I'm borrowing a uh, – Motor home from a from a family member. I hope he's not watching this because I haven't asked him yet. Uh, and we're going to be trying to tour the southernmost counties of of our district to, so people get to know us. When later on they're going to be pushing all these ads against us, they're going to be throwing TV commercials and everything against us, trying to say we don't have a chance or this or that. They're going to be telling lies because that's what they did to win the last election. People don't believe lies when they actually know the person. When they can say, you know what? I've met this guy. That's not how he is. It's been very helpful to me. <laughs> uh, and I mean, and, and that, that's going to make a difference. But I mean, we got to get out there and for the next five months, I mean, we got to be, we got to be part of my expression, assholes and elbows. Yep, yep. I mean, shaking hands, kissing babies, every parade that's, that's here, we need to be in there walking on it. Uh, I need to get on the scale now because I'm sure I'll be a hell of a lot skinnier five months from now from walking on all these damn parades. Yeah. Um, well, so oh, someone in the chat just said from 1999 to 2003, the governor of Minnesota was not a Dem or a Republican. He is also, he has also endorsed me. Jesse, the body Ventura. No way. You got an endorsement from Jesse Ventura? Yep. Wild. Uh, I actually, I'm actually meeting with them Nick this weekend. He's starting a new Substack that uh, they're interviewing me for. No way, that's crazy, uh, dude. Yeah, he's out. Uh, but yeah, but I mean, that's what we tell people all the time. I mean, they'll say we don't have a chance. Damn it, Minnesota put Jesse Ventura in the in the governor's mansion as an, ind- as an independent, before. right? He ran as an independent. Yes, right? yeah, or independent, and then he uh, he did the Reform Party. Oh, that's right. He was uh, part of the Reform Party. That's right. But yeah, so yeah, he. Uh, but we we voted outside the two party system before, wow. so it's not like this is new to us. Right, we've got a fucking track record. Right. Okay. 
So, so every time they'll say it's impossible, look at our history. No, it's not impossible. Nice. Uh, well, yeah, that's the man who doesn't have time to bleed. So, uh, if yep. you got his endorsement, that means a ton. Hey, so okay, let's let's pivot a little bit here. I want to talk. We're we're getting you know to the to tell into the show here, but let's talk. I want to talk about uh, your your farming, man. What you so so you're from Louisiana? You're a Minnesota farmer. You raise uh, pigs. You said we have pigs, we have cattle, we have goats, and we have a crap load of birds. Why? Well, and, and you know, and this is one of the things And if you talk to a lot of the veterans, there's a lot of them. This is, I get told all the time, dude, you're living our life. You're living our dream. Yep. Same. After 20 years of having to listen to other people tell you what to do, the idea of being self-sustainable is in, and not having to, to deal with other people and listen to other people is just so appealing. Uh, now when I retired in 2018, my in-laws basically said, because again, I'm from Louisiana. My wife is from here in Minnesota. My in-laws said, if you want to retire here, we'll go ahead and give you your share of the inheritance, 40 acres to start your farm on. And uh, I'll be honest with you, man. I went back and forth, 40 acres, Minnesota winter, right? 40 acres, Minnesota winter. Well, we chose the Minnesota winter. And uh, of course, the first thing I did when I hit the ground Put fencing up. I started getting livestock. I started getting pigs and cattle and goats. And then I went through my first Minnesota winter doing chores. Yeah, rough. You know what? Everybody I've talked to who gives me shit originally about being from Louisiana, once they hear that story about me bringing out buckets of water in the middle of winter to make sure my animals had something to drink in the Minnesota winter, they're like, you're you're honorary Minnesota. Right, right. You've done that. You've earned your stripes. Uh, and I just want to make it clear that I um, I live in Junior, Minnesota, down here in Iowa, and I take <laughs> I make sure my dogs got water in the winter too. You know what I mean? So I get it, dude. I get it. <laughs> I tell you what, though that that first winter, I was definitely questioning my life choices, dude. Every day, and I'm only in Iowa, and I was doing the same thing, man. I was just like, how do people deal with this shit? Because I'm from California. I'm from California. Year, I kind of adjusted a little bit, but yeah, that uh, that first year is rough. I mean. Uh, when your beard right. starts freezing, yeah. Right before I came here, we uh, we three we threw four heifers on a, uh, a trailer that somebody had bought from me. Uh, as we're we're doing this campaign, we're we normally raise a bunch of pigs to grow out to sell as butcher pigs, but this year everybody got sold as, as feeders because I really don't have the time to deal with it while we're campaigning. Right. Uh, the only reason I can do it now is is my wife saves my ass. Uh, the only question is, do I get elected or does she divorce me first? Right. Uh, well, and, and I can't say that because, I mean, when we got married, she very much told me she didn't believe in divorce. Murder, on the other hand, she could deal with. Yeah, that's the same with I have an Italian fiance. It's the same thing. So, so if I end up disappearing. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, it was your wish. Your wife, your wife Carol Baskin. Do you? I get it. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, 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 same for me. If if I uh, if I ever end up dead, there's two possibilities. One, it was the government. Two, it was my Italian fiance, very mad at me. That's it. I mean, that's really the. That's really that's the only people I'm afraid of in this world. You know, uh, but I'm really I'm not even really afraid of the state. I'm I'm afraid of God, my mom, and my fiance, and that's it, dude. So, uh, and you know what I mean? The 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 farming is. It is pretty relaxing. It, sure. it does help settle down. I mean, it just, but I tell you what, the government don't make it easy. No, no, they don't. I mean, they, well, uh, 
And I was gonna, I was gonna bring that up. I mean, how do you feel about the the farmer subsidies? Because I live in Iowa, right? And so, so of course, as a libertarian, I want to roll back subsidies and all that shit. But the the farmers control Iowa, right? And then, well, and they're, I mean, I mean, even Senator Grassley is, I mean, he's a farmer. That's what they are. Yeah. They're farmers, and and uh, and they, they, you know, the Republicans here that are farmers are like, oh yeah, dude, we're gonna roll back the state, but we're gonna keep every single corn subsidy we possibly can and it's like i can't go into i can't go into the state rep race being like i'm gonna end all the corn subsidies because i'll just get spanked well i'll tell you what this is this is the way you look at it and, and this is something that i have been unapologetic about i want to end ethanol uh mandates if you're here and you're telling me you're against mass mandates and you're against vaccine mandates but you're for ethanol and mandates you need to do a, hip, a, a check on yourself. Uh, the government is, is putting their hands on the scale, and and it's 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 for small farmers like me, it's killing me. Because right now we're paying eight seventy five a bushel for corn, and then Joe Biden comes up here and says he wants to increase ethanol to to lower gas prices. Well, right. guess what? You increase ethanol, that just you just jacked up corn another couple dollars a bushel. Right. Now, here's my question, and you you need to ask your people the same your people the same thing. Do you have more corn farmers or do you have more small livestock farmers in Iowa who buy the corn? Right. With that high prices, it's killing. Well, this is Iowa, buddy. So and, so and the answer that, to that question is gonna be corn farmers. Well, <laughs> for here, I mean we've got a lot of homesteaders. Yeah. We've got a lot of small producers. Right. And and they're the ones who are going to go to the grocery store and pay more for corn here, for more for sodas because the ethanol is bringing up the price of, of corn. Right. Uh, and, and we got to be realistic. 10 years from now, the way they're pushing electric vehicles, what is going to happen to ethanol production? It's going to go way down. It's going to go way down for sure. So, no okay. So do we want to wait to do that or do we want to gradually start weaning ourselves off of that and replace it with, with crops like marijuana and hemp right well that's I mean, that's something that's always blown my mind about iowa right like like there's so many farmers here that stand to make a ton of money off hemp and 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 cannabis if they would just legalize it it's yep. always blown my mind that and, the republicans here wouldn't legalize and we've got to start transitioning i mean I'll, I'll tell you a little story i went to the feed mill about a month ago and there is two 70 year old farmers in there uh 70-year-old white guys. And they're sitting here just talking about how great CBD gummies are <laughs> because it helps them get up every morning. Yeah. Of course, with it's all good, the good for the joints. Of, of being older. Yeah. And they're here complaining because they can't plan it. Right. I mean, these are people who have traditionally been the guys who have been against legalization. Sure. But now they're starting to go, hey, wait a minute. This is, this is a potential cash crop for me. They can see the writing on the wall of what's going to happen to ethanol in the next 10 years. They know if we don't start building that infrastructure now to, to process that hemp, to harvest that hemp, because there's there's just a very limited supply of those things now. It takes a long time to build that infrastructure and that equipment. And, and that's where, where we keep talking about it. So you know what? I'm not going to say tomorrow we're going to stop all all ethanol subsidies requirements. I want to take 1% off the next 10 years. Right. It's, we have a, we have a 
requirement of 10% right now. Roll back 1% a year. That's not going to kill anybody. The market's going to be able to adjust. We're still going in the direction I want to go to as far as subsidies are concerned. Uh, But you know what the number one one, uh, farm subsidy is, don't you? Uh, No. Here it's corn. No, it's not. (laughs) In, In Iowa? Yep. Really? It is crop insurance. Oh, okay. Well, that makes that sense. That is the yeah. number one. Yeah. That is probably 80% of the farm bill. Yeah. Is crop insurance. Sure. Now, Especially what are we going to do with Midwest. that? I mean, <laughs> I, I don't have that answer. Right. Because uh, part of the issue with, tro- with crop insurance is by doing crop insurance, they don't have to do a major disaster every time you have a major weather event. Right. Because it, the it's going to be covered by crop insurance. In the past, before you had crop insurance, you would have to have a net they would do a national disaster. Feds would pour all this money in because you need food security. Right. I mean, how do we end that battle? How do we fight that? I don't know. Well, that's but I think the I'm, first thing we do is take government out of the markets. Well, I want to tell you, uh, as somebody who wants a farm really bad, it's kind of my <laughs> also my dream. I didn't even know that crop insurance was a thing. So yep. that's that's telling you how ignorant. I, you know, I'm from the I'm from the concrete jungle, my man. You know, what for, I mean? for us small farmers, it's not really an issue. It's the big farmers, right? I mean, and, and the way crop insurance works is they pay X amount of dollars, and if their production falls below so much per acre, which is basically an average of the last five years, then they get paid to bring it back up to that minimum acreage. Wow. Uh. But it's usually because of things like last year we had a major drought. Sure. Uh, the guy around me does does oats and barley. He he cut it all for hay last year because he knew with the drought it wasn't going to produce it wasn't anything. Work. Yeah, and he could he could make uh, money off the hay at least. And so the, I mean the real question is I mean when it comes down to stuff like that what do we do to ensure these guys aren't having to sell out to the corporate farmers who have enough money in the bank to to eat up to to handle those bad years? Right. American small farmers don't. How do we keep the farmland away from the Microsoft guy? Is what you're exactly. saying? Exactly, <laughs> exactly, and that's and that's a hard question. I mean, it's something we got to sit down and figure out. I mean, the, again, the main subsidy I'm going after right now is ethanol. Right. I mean, and, and and that's because that's going away in ten years anyway. Right. And it helps me with my plank of legalizing marijuana and, and encouraging hemp. Because it's a it's a trade off. It's a trade-off. You know what, guys? We're going to take this from you. But damn it, you got this other market here that is untouched, that we're importing all this stuff that can be used for insulation. It can be used for floorboards. I mean, it grows faster than bamboo. Right. Right. Okay. And it, and it is, so, it, and that's a lot of people, everyone go Google hempcrete, man. It's really cool shit. Yeah. Like really cool. Well, it's great for insulation. Yeah. I mean, and, and there's a, uh, I want to say South Bend, Indiana, there's a, it, it's a major, it's starting to be a major thing there. Sure. Uh, they've just done their, they've just created a plant to do the hempcrete there. And it's right. just, there's so much potential here. If the government gets out of our freaking way. Right. I mean, uh, but they don't want to I'll get out of your you, way because look, tell you, uh, we know how it works, dude. The government has their buddies. Yep. Their buddies give them the contracts. They get the contracts for the government and that's all we ever get. That's how, you know, I talked, I talk a lot about the environment, right? Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not a climate change guy. I'm not like, Oh, climate change is going to kill us all. But I do tell people when I'm, especially when I'm campaigning as a libertarian, 
you know, well, well, who's going to save the environment if you remove the government from the, the, the situation? I said, the market, dude. Are you kidding me? Do you know how many people are out there that want small businesses to, to bring green energies to market that are getting regulated out of the market because GE is getting billions of dollars from the government to make yep. these green energies that are outdated and old and don't work at all? And and well, you're, you're worried about that? Like, that's the, there would be – if we deregulated the green energy market tomorrow – Within two weeks, there'd be 5,000 startups of people yep. trying to bring new green energies to the market because whoever does it the best is going to be a billionaire. And, yep. and, 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 and look, you can you know, say what you want about Elon Musk. That's what sparks innovation. Right. Well, and, and say what you want about Elon Musk, right? Say what you want about the guy. The, the guy you know, is bringing all kinds of new technology to the market because he, 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 he does it the best, and so people are paying him. Even the people that don't like him in California are driving Teslas right now. Yep. Hi, kids. Do you like violence? Are you sick to death of pussyfooting around the truth while being constantly fed lies by news and big tech tyrants? If so, then come join me, Dan Smots, on The System Is Down, where we get weird, have fun, and dig into all the dangerous taboo topics like conspiracies, politics, religion, culture, current events, and everything your family just prays you don't bring up around the Thanksgiving dinner table. And I know that reality is scary to some people, so if you're easily offended, just ignore this and go back to making cat memes or whatever. But if you're ready to change the world for the better, come join me on The System Is Down at tsidpod.com or wherever you get podcasts. That's tsidpod.com. Dot com because the system is down and truth is taking over. Okay, because they know they're the best electric cars on the market, and 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 that's that's what we would have. We would have five thousand people trying to be the next Elon Musk tomorrow if we took away the government contracts to GE that aren't doing anything for our environment, aren't giving us any new green tech, but we're still paying them every single year. So that's you know. Just bring that really brings me to that that point. And, and that's one of the points we hit. We drive home too. I mean, what was Trump's tagline? Make America was, great. Make, make America great. But if we look back, what actually made America great? The small businesses. It wasn't the corporations that Trump and those guys kept feeding. It was the small businesses that they were strangling out. And that's why we need to get rid of this deregulation and we need to let corporations fall. We need to get rid of the, the corporate welfare. Because as soon as those corporations fall, who takes their places? The small businesses. That's how we get people out of poverty. Sure. Well, and I, I, I don't want to I want to be clear. I want to be clear when I talk, when I say this to um, my brother-in-law, he's got his own S Corp. Okay. It's an S Corp. When we're talking about these major corporations, we're not yeah. talking. We're not talking no. about every corporation in the world, right? There are we're people. Talking, who, I'm talking multinational. Yeah, the conglomerates. I'm not talking about. Okay? Yeah, the, I'm the talking con- about the, 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 grow, the ones that they say are too big to fail. Right, the conglomerations, <laughs> right? Because like Joker fail. Because like I get it. He and he, you know, we had this conversation, and I never really thought about it this way. But he said, "Well, you know, if if something happens to my business, you know." Um, the S corp is what, what gives me some limited liability and yep. helps me keep my house and my car. They, they, that means people can't go after my, my personal life. Yep. Um, but they can still take my business and, and sue me and take money and all that stuff, but they can't take my personal life. I can still support my kids and my, my, well, my wife. So that made a lot of sense to me. You know what I mean? Well, you know what? And, and that's, what, that's what farmers have to do now. Right. Because when they die, the corporation does it. Right. Well, the kids could take over without having to pay the inheritance tax, without having to pay all these capital gains because it's all 
in the corporation and that that go, the the kids take that over when, when they move up can we talk about they, how stupid a fucking inheritance tax is though like legitimately that's so dumb well, look i mean the and and the, the biden biden is making it worse of course uh because and this is one of the big issues facing farmers is we used to have we have what's called a step up basically if i'm a farmer and i got a thousand acres and, and i die today and it goes down to my 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 child well when he gets it he gets it at the the value of it was when i died Jeez. now when you eliminate that step up he now gets it but he has to pay capital gains on it right from whatever it was when i paid for it from when he took over capital gains are income so guess what not only does he get screwed by the capital gains but if you got a thousand acres it could be a hundred thousand two hundred thousand dollars of capital gains guess what now all of a sudden he made four hundred thousand this year right so now he now he has to pay the inheritance tax right and moved up into the top inch, the top tax, tax bracket, bracket yep. on, top, on top of that. Guess what? Now he has to sell 33% of that to pay the tax bill. Right. And he's gonna that, get to, and he's gonna get taxed on the sell. And exactly. And that's <laughs> what the damage, that's what the, the the number one threat to small farmers are, because then they're gonna have to sell it. And who's gonna have the money to buy it? The corporate the big major corporate farms. Oh, oh we'll take that off your hands, buddy. Don't worry. The, the Microsoft guy is coming for your land, bro. Yep. Absolutely. No. Well, we're, we're pretty close to the, one, that's one of the reasons for the, for the shirt, the, uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, raise cattle, not taxes. Raise cattle, not taxes. I love this one, man. It's great. It's uh, a great hoodie. It's, it's, it's good material one, too, man. It's a good one. The new one we're coming up with, with the, uh, because I'm running on the marijuana now party. Yeah. It's going to say, uh, Grow pot, not the deficit. I like it. That's a good one too, dude. That's a good one too. Well, we're, we're, we got another one that says print, print guns, not money. Oh yeah, that's our that's old school. The Mises Caucus did that one. That's a good one. Well, we're getting to the end of this thing. Before we go, uh, we I talked a little bit about it in the beginning. You're an adoptive father, and that's that's kind of what what drew me to you to begin yeah. with. Um, when we had that conversation in Minnesota, it really kind of touched my heart. I'm also uh, I have two adopted children um, that that I didn't make biologically, but I, you know I love them just like my own. Uh, what why adoption, man? What, what was it about that, that that drew you guys to that? When I, when I got out of the Army, I felt that I still wanted to serve. I still wanted to be able to have a purpose, to move forward, to, to help. Right. Uh, so that's one of the things we talked about is, okay, let's, let's look at adopting. Because, again, part of my issue was 20 years in the military. I was running around the world. I, I didn't, wasn't really being a dad. Uh, so part of that was I wanted to adopt and I, so I can – Part of it was being selfish because I wanted to be able to do that, that, that dad time that I missed out on. Uh, but we really wanted to help as well. So when we decided to do it, we decided to adopt a teenager because those are the people who are in so much danger of getting aged out of the system. And when you get aged out of the system, you have no safety net. Right. There is no family to fall back on. That's not right. That's not fair. Uh, so when we decided to adopt, we said we're going to, adopt somebody, a teenager in that time, in that, that age group. So, so, so that they have that. And you know what, for the first two years, my daughter had no, absolutely no comprehension or appreciation of that. Sure. Now that she is starting to get out on her own and she now realizes she's got somebody to call when the shit hits the fan. 
she's starting to realize the value in it. Sure. Uh, but when we first adopted her, it was like, hey, you, uh, I had my plans. I was going to do this. I was going to do that. Right. Now you all screwed it up by adopting me. Yeah. Uh, it took her, it took a while for her to come around, but, uh, you know what? I, 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 it had its ups and downs, uh, but I wouldn't trade it. I mean, it's a, it's a great opportunity and, uh, it, it makes a difference in somebody's life. Sure. I mean, you can't, uh, everybody wants to adopt the babies, but you know what? The, the teenagers are the challenge, but I think they're also the, the biggest reward. Sure. Yeah. We got a, when we got them, they were nine and six. And so, a uh, little bit, little bit older, not babies, um, but we are, we are. Uh, they have another sibling now that we're we're talking about getting that is a baby, uh, less than yep. a year old. Um, so we'll have, we'll have uh, six, seven in the house again because we have one on the way in August. Um, my daughter moved out recently. My oldest daughter and her daughter moved out a couple weeks ago. They got a little, little apartment and stuff like that. And so um, she's trying to get her stuff together. You know, she's almost eighteen, and she she wanted a little a little extra space. She had never, you know, she had never lived with me until two years ago. And, and she'd always kind of been mama in the house and had, had her own way and got to do whatever she wanted. And so it was a little hard for her. Uh, but I feel like we gave her some good structure before she got her own place. And now she's doing pretty good. And we still have the other kids and, um, and one on the way, man, it's just wild, dude. We have five, we have five. We're going to have six for sure. We may have seven again. I don't know, man. I don't want to start all over. It's hard, dude. That was the other great thing about adopting a teenager it was a shorter time period. It sure, was a- sure. <laughs> yeah, I keep telling, you know, because my fiance's uh, nine years younger than me. And and she's like, let's have more. And I'm like, the one we're about to have right now, when he graduates high school, I'm going to be almost 60. Okay. Like, that's, I think that's enough. I think I need to, I need to be able to like retire and buy a motor home and like, you know what I mean? Like travel around oh, yeah. by myself with my, my wife. And, and uh, I'd like to do that at some point. But, she, you know, I also, I look at it. I look at it like, well, at least we always have like, there's a, it's never a lack of, of fun stuff to do in the house because of the kids. And I love, you know, the constant love and the, and the close family. And so it's, you know, it's kind of, I, I probably, if she wants to have another one, we'll probably have another one. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, I'll just keep, I'll just keep raising babies till I die. Yep. <laughs> happy, happy wife, happy life. Exactly. Exactly. Like I said, she's Italian. I can't leave her. Uh, so, and, and I don't want to die. So, um, but br- brother, I appreciate you. I'm a big fan of yours, man. Uh, where can people find you, support you, listen to you, all that great hey, stuff. Please, please come, uh, look us up. Bull Johnson for Congress. Us. Again, Bull Johnson for Congress. Us. Go to our contribute point. Help us out. We got some, we got some great swag on there as well as we got the sweat tops and, uh, I mean, help us get there. I mean, we have a goal of $10,000 this month. We're about 30% there. Nice. I mean, people are believing in us. They are coming forward. Every little bit helps. 20, 50. Become a, a recurring donor. Uh, this is what's going to make us where we can break this, the two-party cycle. Sure, sure. break the cycle. All That's, it, that was it, a good all one, it takes is one. All it takes is one to show the rest of the world, rest of the country, this shit is possible. Right. You want to know what scares Republicans and, and, and Democrats? The fact of an independent winning and showing that it can be done. Right. That that there is another option. Uh and so so please, guys, man, I I can use your help. Uh my my uh communications guy says I shouldn't be saying I'm begging, but I'm begging. Yeah. Okay? No, you gotta beg, dude. It's part it's part <laughs> of the like, it's part you, of the deal. You gotta do provide financial support. No, guys, I I I'm help me make a difference. Help me get out here. 
and 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 show the world what we can do. Sure. Because again, all it's going to take is we get one guy in Congress. Guess what? Whether it's Amish, whether it's Dave, all of a sudden they become a lot more legitimate, a lot more feasible. I agree. Uh, that's what's going to help us get to that those higher percentages. So, uh, and, and if guys, if not me, who? If not now, when? Right. Right. Help a brother out. Let's get it done, man. Hey, uh, like I said, Bull, I'm a big fan, man. I appreciate all you're doing, dude. Thank you so much for coming on, brother, and we'll Thanks talk soon. Thanks for having me, man. It's, it's been a while putting this together. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, hey, and I'm back to doing regular shows, man, so maybe we'll do one again after you win. I hope so, man. All right, You know thanks. what? I'm telling everybody who's had me on for a podcast, just first crack at me if I win before the, uh, yeah. the major networks. I'll take it. I'll so take they're, it. They're going to come and asking about, oh, we're going to be the biggest news story Y'all gotta wait till the podcasts are done. Yeah, they were they were there for me when you jackasses were ignoring me. <laughs> exactly. Well, brother, thanks again for coming on, man. I appreciate you. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you. Have a good one. You too. All right, guys. Another awesome episode of Break the Cycle. Travis uh, Bull Johnson is super cool, man. Go check him out. Look at this cool hoodie, dude. This is a really, really. I love this. Raise cattle, not taxes. Uh, I, you know, I gotta adopt something cool, some kind of cool slogan like that for my campaign as well. Uh, but go check him out. Help him out. Support him. Uh, help him win there for for the farmers, for the American uh, working class, for the libertarians, for the people that want to see more freedom in their lifetime, man. If you're in Minnesota, go help that guy out. He he deserves it. He needs it. Uh, I'm begging you for him. Uh, guys, that was a great show, and I appreciate you guys hanging out. Uh, we do have one more show this week, Friday evening at 7.30 p.m. corn time. We will have Angela McArdle, the, the queen bee herself, the new chair of the Libertarian National Committee. Uh, I am stoked to have that show for her to tell you all of her plans and the things she's working on now because she, I'm telling you, she walked into that office uh, working. I mean, it was she was ready to go. Um, we've had a lot of conversations over the last couple weeks. Man, I am stoked to see what the Libertarian Party is going to do with her at the helm. She's amazing, so I hope you guys will come and check that show out. Of course, go check out my sponsors, TopLobster.com, the man, the myth, the legend, my good friend and partner on Break the Cycle, where you can get this great pillow that's been supporting me tonight. Custom. Look, at, look it's a custom Break the Cycle pillow for your couch, man. It's cool stuff. Uh, you can get that for a 10% discount by using BTC at checkout or join the Patreon subscribe star, become a member of my YouTube channel here uh, to get into the private discord server with really, really cool people and get all his new gear up to two weeks before it goes to the general public at like a 30% discount. Uh, guys, seriously, if you can go support me over there or here, uh, it really means a lot to me. I'm going to be doing regular shows again. Of course, most nights we have a members-only show. There's about 151 members-only shows up on the Patreon and on the YouTube now. So if you pay the five bucks a month or more, you're going to be able to see that stuff. And uh, that's where you know Tom Woods said the F word. And uh, Dave Smith said all kinds of really cool shit, too. Uh, you can go check that out. It's pretty cool. Uh, There's a complete back catalog there for you. Um, of course, check out my other uh, executive producers, AnthemPlanning.com, for all your emergency and crisis planning needs. Check them out today. See what they can do for your business, home, or personal life. They're doing a wonderful job that the government has historically sucked at much cheaper and much more efficiently. Seriously, guys, go check them out. If you own a business, go check out anthemplanning.com. They're really, really awesome. Uh, I love them to death. Seriously, I, I, I would be lost without them. They helped me make the show. So uh, please go and show them some respect for doing those great things for me. Um, yeah, I'll see you guys uh, night after tomorrow night for a great show with Angela McArdle. But until then, don't forget to break the cycle. Due to legal reasons I just have to explain 
The lyrics of my last song may seem to contain A violent call to action in the verse and refrain But I just landed in Minecraft The helicopter part was in reference to GTA 5 and the things you do So any violence you commit, I am not an excuse Because I just landed in Minecraft But Chipper is my friend and he's constantly cold Accusations of incitement getting totally old Make your own choices, yeah, you have control Because I just landed in Minecraft Obviously I would never advocate force Unless it's due process and a trial, of course And if you're convicted, we will make you a course In Minecraft, just in Minecraft There are nothing I mean, you know it Don't try to get us, get too close to COVID Holy shit, I think 